Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Disney Film Project Podcast. Woohoo! It's us again, your favorite folks, talking about Disney movies, Disney films that are one and the same. Uh, this is the show that creates magic for everyone by all of us talking about those said Disney films and perhaps some of your not-so-favorite films. Whether it's the newest Disney release, like our subject today, Tron Legacy, or the oldest Disney release, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, we'll talk about it all here eventually. We'll get there. Uh, I am your host, Ryan Kilpatrick, owner, blogger of Disney Film Project, located at DisneyFilmProject.com. My co-host, two of the finest film buffs I have ever known, Mr. Todd Perlmutter, blogger for TouringPlans.com, all-around Disney tech support master for DisneyDrivenLife.com, all-around swell guy, and uh, as I found out this week, a person with a minor or in cinema studies in college, is that correct? Yeah, it was um, something that I did. Yeah, I, I um, screenwriting was a thing for me, so I actually have some training in that. That's how I learned how to write, I swear. So you I actually have... Really, sorry, go. No, you actually have technical expertise in what we're discussing, and you're not just making this up as we go along. No, really, yeah, it's my minor, I swear. I, I That and casting were the two things that I was really good at. I'm, yeah. I'm impressed. Yeah, I, wrote a, I actually wrote a screenplay for my... Uh, one of my theses for um, the one for or thesi, I don't know the one for us uh, this minor the- theses. Theses. I think, I think theses. We're, we're okay. all subject anyway. But you actually know what you're talking about, and you're not just making it up like I am. Well, it was a long time ago. <laughs> it wasn't that long ago. Okay, fair enough. Come on. Uh, our other co-host, the one and only Miss Brianna Alessio, renowned blogger at Adventures of Brie at adventuresofbrie.blogspot.com, all-around film lover, and a person who has never seen the original Tron. Correct? That is correct, unfortunately. But you have seen Tron Legacy. I have seen Tron Legacy. Interesting. Very good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, now, wait a minute. Before we go much further... I've seen. I saw Tron and Tron Legacy. Todd, you saw Tron, but it's Wait, been years you ago, to right? Introduce me. Hold on. I'm I'm getting there. You. Okay. I'm sorry. It's okay. Cheryl's eager to talk this evening. <laughs> about Tron. Um, yeah, no, I saw it a while ago. Yeah. So. So you. It's been years since you've seen Tron. Years, like mid '90s. I was in Seattle, and I was pretty sure I was drunk. So, there you go. Well, if you were drunk, it probably improved things. <laughs> the visuals. Yes. Uh, the, the person who is making all of this possible for us to hear this, Miss Cheryl Perlmutter, who is so excited about Tron, she cannot contain herself. <laughs> Cheryl. I love Tron. I thought it was great. You loved you, Legacy or the original? Legacy. Okay. Have you seen the original? Yes. Many, many moons many, ago? Many, were you many drunk moons with ago. Ta- I don't even remember when. Don't no? Okay. No, when. no. That was probably a trip before I met her. Oh. Oh, well. We'll, we'll get to that story. <laughs> someday. Yeah, someday we'll get there. Dun, dun. <laughs> All right, so today we're talking Tron Legacy. It's the big holiday release from Walt Disney Pictures, a sequel to the original movie Tron, as we've been discussing, released back in 1982. There is lots to talk about here, lots of things going on with Tron Legacy. Uh, Warning, though, if you have not seen the movie, we are going to spoil it. We're going to talk explicitly about what happens in the film. So please uh, turn off your iPod, iPhone, computer. um, What what else could they be listening on, Todd? What sort of tech master stuff would they be listening on? Illegal exit of the grid. Sorry. Had to say it. Like it. 
<laughs> I, uh, I, I have to I have to admit here, I am a little disappointed that none of you said greetings programs. Well, I was going to, and then you took my whole intro in a different direction, so you blew it. <laughs> so you're blaming it on me, then. Yes. Well, it's easier. You're the host. Yeah, good point. <laughs> Moving on. All right, so Tron Legacy. As I said, a sequel to the original Tron, which was written and directed by Steven Lisberger, who's an executive producer on the sequel, so there's continuity between the two. The other uh, two actors who return from the original, Jeff Bridges, back as Kevin Flynn, who was in the original, and uh, Alan Bradley, portrayed by Bruce Boxleitner, who was in the original and is back in the sequel. So a, a brief summary of the original Tron just for those of you who have not seen it, uh, it's really not necessary in order to understand Legacy. I don't know if you would agree with me on that one, Todd. I 100% agree. I mean, the I kind of sort of feel that Legacy didn't even need to have the level of tying to the original Tron that it did. It could have been a movie in its own right without, you know, they could have made it not his son. They could have made it just some other guy, and it would have gotten the same net result, I think, in the end. I, I totally agree. I disagree. But I'm in the scene gallery. Don't mind me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be interested to see what what Bree thinks because she has not seen the original. If if it if it uh, ties back or not. So, but let me let me give a brief summary of the original movie. Um, there is a story again, like we've said in other films. There's a story there. It's really uh, the original Tron is much more about the the graphics and and the potential idea. Uh, than any particular story. But uh, as I mentioned, I watched the original Tron in the morning and then went to see Legacy in the afternoon. So I, I had a lot of uh, interesting uh, thoughts seeing, seeing Legacy. But the original movie, Jeff Bridges stars as Kevin Flynn. He's a hacker trying to get into NCOM software because the head of NCOM, uh, a man named Dillinger, stole Flynn's video game designs and became the head head person at, uh, at NCOM. Uh Flynn trying to hack in with the assistance of Laura, who was his ex, and Alan Bradley. I mentioned Bruce Boxleitner, who are both still working at NCOM. Long story short, he ends up digitized in the grid, which is the electronic world inside the computer, and he is fighting against the Master Control Program and Sark, which is the doppelganger of Dillinger, uh, to free the grid and get his video game designs back with the help of Tron, who's the doppelganger for Alan and Laura. I can't remember Laura's character in the original Tron, but do you remember that one time? Well, she was, uh, the, it, they briefly touch on it in the movie, right? She's, it, they imply that she is Flynn's ex-girlfriend and that she is currently Alan's current girlfriend, and that Alan and Flynn really didn't know each other until that moment in time when she goes, oh, this is the guy who broke in. I know him, and then brings, you know, he brings them over to the arcade. They go to the arcade, and she introduces the two of them, and then fun ensues. Yes, hilarity ensues, as always. The basic, But the basics from there are, uh, you know, they, they go and they free the grid, and, and all is well in, in the grid, and... Yada yada yada. So that's that's about all the setup that you need from the original Tron, if, if you need any, to be honest with you. Uh, the sequel picks up later with Flynn's son Sam, who is uh, the person who we follow in Tron Legacy. So so that's that's the basics from for the original Tron. So car- let's carry over into Tron Legacy. Uh, jump in here, guys, because this one. 
Much like our Sorcerer's Apprentice story discussion, this may go off in a few different ways. So please jump in here as I screw this up. Okay. <laughs> We're ready. All right. Um, all right. So the, the movie actually opened really well, I thought at least, with the Jeff Bridges character. You don't actually see his face um, until he kind of turns around from talking to his son at, at the beginning. But he's telling his son about the, the original film, basically, and then what he's done since that point in recreating the grid. You don't yes. find out that that's what it is until later, but... But that's if you if you had like myself just seen the original film, it kind of talks about what he did in the grid in the original film, and then what he did since then. Uh, then he disappears that same evening, and since then Sam has been pulling practical jokes and things on Encom to make the point that the company's gone in a direction he didn't want the, the company to go, nor would his father have wanted the company to go. Uh, at that point. After he does an elaborate stunt, which is kind of cool, so I won't ruin it if you haven't seen the movie. Although I'm going to ruin everything else, but, you know. Uh, a page comes through to Alan Bradley, who's Kevin's friend. We mentioned him from the original film. Sam investigates. He goes to Flynn's Arcade. And long story short, he gets thrown into the grid. So just like in the original movie, he gets thrust into the game grid, and he's doing the identity discs. And it turns out that he bleeds inside the grid. Which, is, which was odd, but we can talk about that in a minute. Uh, Clue, the ruler of the grid, tries to kill him. Once he finds out that he's Kevin Flynn's son, uh, he's rescued by Cora, who's played by Olivia Wilde, who takes him to see his father. And at that point, we discover that Kevin Flynn, Jeff Bridges, has been trapped inside the grid for 20 years. He can't get out, um, or he could if he went back to the portal that Sam just went through. However, the identity disc that he has on his back would allow the villain here, Clue, who was a program created by Kevin, uh, to get through to the real world and destroy things with his programmatic stuff. You gotta call him Flynn. I mean, he doesn't like his first name. He says so in the in the original Tron, right? This is a good point. Um, correction on the getting back out. Um, he could not get back out unless someone opened the portal from the outside. Correct. That that's why. He couldn't know, so he not because of this thing. He just couldn't get back out. But he also didn't want to go back over there just because if Clue got his hand on the disc and the portal was open at the same time, bad stuff would happen. I did get that part right, didn't I? Yes. Yes. All right, good. Okay. Uh, so basically the rest of the movie, Sam takes off to get through the portal and Flynn, his father, has to go back with him. And we go on from there. Hilarity ensues, as we mentioned. And they race to get back to the portal and get through and also stop Clue from invading. That, that's the, the basics. It gets, there's a lot more from there, but um, that's the basic idea. Am I, did, I, did I capture all of that right? I think you missed a couple of villains. But... We'll get to that stuff. <laughs> yeah. I think I, I, I think you, no. I think you cover this story fine. I mean, there's you know, one of my one of my big things is. I mean, do we want to just jump into the filler moments and stuff like that? Yeah, please go right ahead. Yeah. Okay. So they try and um, like you said, in the there's two there's two basic scenes in the movie, right? And the exposition is actually pretty done pretty well, I would say. Um, yeah. I you know, they had the, like you said, they had the bit in the beginning, and it was 
it was done in such a way that it really caught you up to speed in a very short amount of time because that scene's like six minutes long, tops, and then Boomy's out the door and everything else goes on. Um, later on, he's talking to Sam and he's filling Sam in as to what happened, right? And um, they tell the story about how Clue had a coup. Clue had a coup. A clue coup. Um, he, he, he overthrew the, the god quality so to speak, of Flynn in this new grid, grid 2.0, okay? And he, in doing so, he supposedly kills the original Tron, and things move on. Now, there's a huge chunk of this story that is taken from between 1989 and 2010 when we presume that Tron actually occurs, and it, it happens in this video game that was just released just before the movie called Tron Evolution. And it gets into the whole reason why Clue took over a bit more in depth. Now, we know Clue was created at a time where Flynn only felt that he could be a perfectionist, right? That, that the, the best way towards making a better future for mankind was to find perfection and to use the computers to do that, okay? So when he, he liked the idea of the grid, so... He recreates the grid, and he makes another version of Clue because, remember, the original Clue gets destroyed the first movie. Right. So this there, is not that's, actually that's Clue. That's like one of the very first scenes in the original Tron is he sends this program Clue through the grid, and it gets immediately destroyed. Right, because he's trying to break in, and that's actually the whole reason why Alan is led to Flynn because um, it puts the lock – in the original NCOM system, it puts a lockdown on the system by master control – and um, or MCP, and he um, locks up Tron inside the program, and Alan can't reach his own program. So Alan's like, "What's going on? Who did this? Why did they do this? Why am I having this problem?" And on and on and on. So that's that's that whole thing. Um, we come back to it, and in Tron Evolution, basically he comes in, he recreates the grid, he brings Tron with him. So this is actually the, the Tron that he brings with him is the original Tron from the original grid. Interesting. Okay, okay. didn't know that. And, and the um, the clue though is obviously a recreation. They show him recreate clue in the flashbacks, right? He does that thing when he kneels down on the ground, touches the ground, and clue comes up, and he does a whole thing with clue, and he says, "Together, we're going to remake the world." But that was when he still had the perfectionist, so it was like a copy of himself in the game world, mm-hmm. in the in the grid, and so this was bad, <laughs> and that's that's right. cool because. Later on, he comes to a realization, but Clue never reaches the same because he's kind of frozen in time in terms of how he, how he views the world, whereas Flynn himself has moved on beyond Clue or Clue 2, and he does this whole thing, and he gets these ISOs come to be, and, he doesn't, and to him, they're the miracle, right? It's, there are computer programs that have essentially evolved like life in the real world has evolved. Okay, as opposed to the o- older programs, which are referred to as basics in Tron Evolution, and basics are programs that people have written and that find their way into the grid or are introduced to the grid like they were by Tron and Flynn and Clue. Okay, Clue is a basic, so he launches a pogrom basically to attempt to remove all the all the ISOs from the world, from the grid world. Okay, and this is what the story of Tron Evolution is very simple from there is he makes a bad guy called Abraxas and um, Tron can't fight Abraxas and his army alone so 
Flynn makes another warrior called a non, and you play a non, and you're the other warrior, and you fight side by side with Tron against the whole thing, and together you you beat Abraxas, but it turns out that this was just a means of distracting Flynn and Tron for the coup d'etat, which is the scene that you see in the in the uh, Tron Legacy movie. And I'm sorry that went on a bit long, but that's no, how that's how to explain it. And so it was, it, was a, it was a class war. You had the basics versus the ISOs, and you learn that there's only two ISOs left. But there's the um, – I can't remember his name. The, the guy who at the end of the line club, he was – Zeus was Zeus. Zeus. Zeus was his real name, but he had another name, and I can't remember what his other name was, and Quara. And they're the only two ISOs left. Okay. Oh, see, now, I didn't no, I didn't, think that was I Zeus was an ISO. That was no, not he, clear. Not, he is an he is an ISO because he's in he's one of the characters in Tron Evolution. Yeah, okay. see, I was just about to say I didn't know that Zeus was an ISO from the movie. No, that was interesting. And and can I just say I know that went on a bit long, but like that part of the story right there, what you just described from the video game, if that had been in the movie, it would have made the movie like ten times better. Because yeah, I had no idea what happened. I mean, it, it made sense. Don't get me wrong, like it made sense what happened and you got enough from the flashbacks to go, okay, look, here's what happened, let's move on and have some fun. But that would have made it a much stronger story. I don't I don't know. I mean, I kind of I'm sorry, Rihanna. <laughs> um, I kind of thought it was kind of Holocaust like. I'd have to disagree with the story. I thought I think it, it was. It was definitely paralleling that. I, I mean, oh I yeah, it was, think it was absolutely I think paralleling. If they had put yeah. Dalit in, it wouldn't have seemed so much. Yeah, that's why I used the word pogrom because the pogrom is what they did to during the Holocaust when they cleared the Jews out of Poland and stuff like that. Yeah, no, when, I guess more, more, stuff like more. What I meant was the the whole perfectionism and being stuck in time sort of thing. Like they got at that. Like they kind of. They hint at it in different places in the movie, right? So you you get Flynn kind of when they when when Sam goes to see him the first time, he hints at that. Um, they hint at it in the flashbacks, but it, like it's never really spelled out specifically the way that you just spelled it out, right? And and, and that that to me is like the missing piece. It's so obvious when you just said it, but I didn't get it watching the movie. I don't yep. know. Bri, what did you think, Bree? Yes, you just saw it hours ago. Yeah, really. <laughs> I know. I went to the 4 o'clock showing at my local theater. Thank you very much. Um, you see, the thing is about this film, there are some films I can go to and view and explain thoroughly to the last point. This film was one I went to, viewed, and cannot explain a blessed thing. <laughs> nice. Now, let me tell you, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it so much. It, it was that kind of thing that, you know, every moment you don't want it to end. You know, it was like the fastest two hours of your life. You know, that kind of description you could apply to it. But I, I, I can't explain. I don't even know what the, the vehicles were that they drove, what they were called. Light cycles? Is that what yes. they were? That is oh, see, I'm right about that. Um, yeah, but it was really interesting, and I, I did enjoy it very much, but, you know, I'm not even sure what the grid is, to be honest. <laughs> and see, I think, I think that's kind of, like, the way that, just in talking to people as they've seen this movie, I think that's kind of the way different people are approaching it. Like, I liked it. I thought it was, I thought it was good, and I would go see it again, but it's not going to be, a, a, like, I'm probably not going to buy it or anything like that. Because 
there's not enough like I'm I'm very story based. Like I have to have a strong story for the most part in order to 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 get a film. But right. and this story just isn't that strong in this one. It's good, but it's not quite a hundred percent there for me. Right, right. But versus I've I've heard from a lot of people like the visuals are out of this world, and I would totally agree with that. And it's fun, which it is. It's a really fun movie to watch. Well, talking it, about visuals, did everyone see it in three D? Before we I did. continue, mm-hmm. Rihanna. Um, which which scene was the best? Is that what you're saying? No, no. Did you, did see, you, see, did you see the movie in three D? Oh yes, absolutely. Okay, absolutely by Todd's recommendation, actually. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, you know, like I kind of felt that it wasn't. It's, if you look at it in the grand scheme of movies in general, it's not the greatest movie ever, but it is a kicking sequel to the original movie. I mean, it absolutely. Just, it, it really does fit well with the original movie. I, despite that, I'm not fond of the main character, which we can come back to in a little bit. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, it's. It's just, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed how it was pieced together. And I felt that, yeah, you know what? This is a sequel to Tron. This, I feel that this is right. Like I, you know, like I indicated earlier, I don't feel that um, there was, that you needed the heavy connection between the father and son, though there was an obvious good part to that story there when they meet. And that part of the acting I felt was very well done for both of them, but I thought that for the rest of the movie, different things were going on for both actors that didn't really work very well. You know, the in- yeah, the, but but the, intera- the interaction between Headland and Bridges was fantastic when they were together. But everything when they were apart, I was like, "Who are these people?" That that is a hundred percent. Yes, absolutely. The two of them together talking was the only time I felt in the movie where there was acting going on. You know, where I felt like somebody was actually working, diff- you know, working to portray emotion on the screen. The rest of the scenes, not that they weren't good. I mean, like when Sam's fighting and those sorts of things, but it was just kind of cookie cutter, I guess. Yeah, and they're way. mostly action based, so you're not actually viewing their emotions, you're viewing their physicality as more than anything else. Right. But the two of them together on the screen, Jeff Bridges and Garrett Hedlund, Garrett Hedlund plays Sam, in case. Those of you who aren't following along, or Jeff Bridges playing, reprising his role from the original as Flynn. When the two of them are on the screen, Todd, you are one hundred percent right. Like they're they they have electricity, they have chemistry. You can you know you feel emotion from them. You could see Flynn getting mad at him, just like a son would get mad at a father. I mean, a father would get mad at a son. I mean, it works perfect. The two of them together. I thought that the two of them were the best part of the movie as far as from an acting perspective. Um, I also was wondering about. Um, see, it, okay. On the same note, there's there's a point in the beginning, right, where um, Alan comes over to Sam's little house. I don't know what you call that thing. It was like a box in the middle of the nowhere. <laughs> it was like a box car from General Hospital that Lucky and Liz lived in. That's there you go. That's, that's the best way I can. Which explain. which is an ABC reference, so it's okay, folks. That's right. <laughs> so um, he th- their conversation. It was like. It, there was an implication there that when when Flynn disappeared, that Alan raised Sam, and but it was lost on I think the viewer because nobody cared. Yeah, no, I did not get that at all. You're right, that was totally lost on me. <laughs> I don't think they, I don't think they brought it back. 
I don't I don't think they brought back either because when he started asking about the parents, they didn't actually bring in any. They didn't say, well, you know, Alan actually raised me or anything. He didn't say anything like that. It's just like, okay, my the parent, you know, your parents died. You know, when did my when did my parents die? And he told them the years, and it goes. There was nothing like, okay, what what happened to you? Who was raising you? It didn't even go in that, you know. Way. Yeah. See, so, what I took what I took from that was that he just kind of raised himself. So yeah, that's why I thought. Yeah. Which which brings me to a question, if I may. Yes. Okay, so in the beginning, it says 1989, and uh, Sam Flynn is supposed to be 12 years old, right? Yes. yes. Right. So now we're supposed to be in, what, 2009, 2010, whatever the, it was supposed to be. So are we supposed to assume that he is 32 or 33 years old? It was... Yeah, I, I I had a problem with that too because they imply that the year that the movie is actually taking place in is 2010. Okay, and right. I did have a problem with his age also because I could swear they implied that he was like 27 or 28 at one point in one of the conversations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're right. They did because they were talking about how he's been pulling this stunt uh, on on uh, income for a certain number of years after he turned 18. And that he hadn't taken over the company. So I think you're right. I think they said it was like 10 years. So they implied like he was 28 or something like that. Right. And so uh, you're, you're right. He should be a little bit older than that. And I'm not sure if maybe that's just because the script was written that long ago. I, and they never thought – and they never made the mistake to update. So it's just a continuity gaffe somewhere along the way, which happens a lot Well, someone movies, didn't folks. do their math. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what I mean. That's a continuity gap. Is, is you know, there's somebody, there's somebody on the on every, in every movie, folks. There's somebody on the set whose job is to make sure the pieces fit together in in a semblance of the timeline, and, yeah. so, and sometimes things fall through the crack all the time. And this could just be one of them. Yeah, and I'm not saying it was like a huge part of the film, and it bothered me tremendously. I'm just making a point that I, yeah. No, but it, take, it takes you out of the movie because this, I had the same question because it happened to me when he's – because what it is is when Alan is talking to him in his little box by the sea or whatever it was, um, he says that you've pulled this prank for 10 years and that made me think like, well, wait a minute. Isn't he you know, 30-something at this point? But yeah. Right. And, and no offense to Disney, but have you noticed that lately like all the main characters seem to have like a dog as a sidekick that's just – it, I think like, it's kind uh, of awesome, but that's wait, just me. Wait, wait. <laughs> it's, it's fine, but thinking back to the last episode, right, is, is when we did Sorcerer's Apprentice, is he has Tank the dog, and this one he has a little <laughs> bug-eyed doggy. And, you know, it's, I wonder if that's just going to be a trend for the live action. Wait, wait, but don't you have a dog sidekick? I do. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> but I'm not, I'm not a movie character. <laughs> <laughs> so you say. So you say, sir. <laughs> Uh, hey, um, so the last two shows, we yes. made references to Star Wars, if you both remember. Yes. yes. I, I uh, imagine that's going to be a trend, but go ahead. Yeah, well, it is a trend actually now, especially now. Um, did you all notice in the reference in the film when um, he's given, and I'm really sorry that I don't know the right terms for this, he's given that stick-looking thing that ends up turning into the vehicle? Yes. Yes. And he starts to use it as a lightsaber. I yes. just noticed that, yeah. <laughs> yes. And I think it was, wait, let me just grab his name here. I have it. Um, Jarvis, the assistant, um, said to him, no, that's not how you use that because he's starting to use it in a lightsaber way, which I believe was a nod to um, Skywalker Sound. Yes. 
there's there's another reference in there too. Did you know that? I'm going to tell you what. There's there's a Marvel Comics reference right there in that scene. Ooh, ooh, I know, I know, I know. Would you like to oh. say it, Ryan? I Did would. You know, Jarvis is uh, Tony Stark's butler. Tony Stark being Iron Man. Yes. Oh. <laughs> and, and in mo- in modern comics, he is actually um, the the supercomputer in the Avengers Mansion is named after Jarvis because I think Jarvis actually passed. In comic books, uh, but, but, correct, sir. Uh, Jarvis is actually alive. He was kidnapped by a scroll uh, uh. and replaced for several years, but he has returned recently. If uh, I believe in uh, New Avengers number uh, two, he returned to the Avengers. <laughs> so awesome. continuity, right? Please. <laughs> Thank you. I had to do my comic book guy voice. I've been working. I, there's a, there's another Star Wars reference since you wanted it. Um, bring it okay bring so at the, at the end when they're using the flying contraption things that are unnamed because those are unnamed <laughs> the super yeah. flying light right the, the, right the light bikes in the sky <laughs> I believe actually they're called wonky sluices but that's a, go ahead okay <laughs> there, there's, there's a moment where they send Sam back to take the gun and that's the same scene from the original Star Wars where they send Luke to go take the gun and fight off the TIE fighters it's the same exact moment the same gun hook up everything it is that's very true you, but do you know what i thought of during that scene I, I thought of another movie that i saw last year that was nowhere near as good as star wars okay we're all g.i joe uh, see, i have not oh, seen G. Yeah. G. Have, have, you, have, have you guys seen g.i joe no, no okay first of all if you go into that movie understanding that it's really really bad <laughs> it's actually quite fun <laughs> <laughs> so, Ryan, you know, we, it's so worth right right now wanting to go see I'm like running there now running I'm telling you right now no if you go into the movie understanding that there's no plot there's no acting and there's no story and you just go in for all the fun explosions <laughs> and how silly and stupid it gets it's really fun you I'm just not- summed up my entire high school time when I would watch G.I. Joe and Transformers and He-Man. <laughs> you go into it for like the one-liners, the, the, you know, the bad acting, the, the, the jokes that you can make from the plot. I'm telling you, it's like if you, if you ha- sit there, have a couple of drinks, have some friends over and just make fun of it, that is a fun movie to go see. I'm not telling – I tell you no lies. So we should bring it to reunion next year is what you're saying. <laughs> There you go. Let me tell you about something. Go ahead, Bree. No, I'm just going to say the Disney Film Project podcast almost lost a co-host here. I was just (laughs) drinking water as Ryan was explaining, and I almost choked. I'm sorry. Kids, this has been your public service announcement. Remember, when you go home, don't do that. (laughs) Don't don't drink when I'm talking. Sorry. It's dangerous. <laughs> but the end is half end the of G.I. Joe, I kid you not, the end of that movie is an underwater um, flying contraption sort of battle that is so ridiculous and outlandish and etc. No joke, it looked exactly like the end of the Tron Legacy. Awesome. In a, in a really bad way. <laughs> oh boy. The, the G.I. Joe version in a bad way. But I, I swear to you, when I saw it, the end of Legacy, I was like, "Wow, this is this is totally GI Joe." I'm not. I, I'm telling you, you're gonna have to see it. And when you see GI Joe, you're gonna you're gonna say, "Wow." And that's a big presumption there. If this is this is a good point. Yes. I'm I'm still waiting for the list of films that Ryan and Todd want me to see because they tell me I'm deprived. So. Oh, we sent you a list earlier. Don't worry. 
Oh, okay. There's a, there's a lot of movies to see from earlier, yeah. Yeah, there's oh, a lot. No. Right. Yeah, so... Sorry to get us off track with G.I. Joe there. Yeah, can we go back to <laughs> Sam, the character? How, how did people feel about Sam as a character in general? Just himself, not necessarily his interactions, just... What did you think of the character? Um, I think he could have been a little stronger. Um, I mean, his, his character, not, you know, physically. But <laughs> Saying um, you wanted him to pump iron is what you're saying. Here. You, you, you could have used a little more buff in the suit. He could have. He could have been a little more, bit more of a Superman image, you know. I understand. There were only yeah. two shirtless moments. I know. I was so unfortunately <laughs> sad by that. No. Um, See, no, it's Todd was... brought that up, which concerns <laughs> I, I was concerned Cheryl more than me, but it... You know. I was counting them for Brianna right at that moment, so... <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Yeah, technically I should have brought that up, but since you mention it, no. Well, um, now that you mention it. Yeah, now that you mention it. Um, but, you know, I definitely think the character could have been a little stronger. I felt he did have a lot of, um, the image of, um, the, the actor from Sorcerer's Apprentice. Baruchel or Nick Cage? Oh, Baruchel. Okay. Yeah, he was, he was kind of like him, not as much as the, of the corny attitude that, that Baruchel had throughout the film. But, um, it just reminded me of, of him. What did you think, though, Ryan? Uh, I, I thought he was every roguish bad boy action hero I've ever seen in a, in a movie, in a movie, like in an action film in the last 10, 15 years. I just, I, I didn't, like I said, the moments when I thought he, he had some depth and some, some feeling to him were when he was on screen with Jeff Bridges, which I, a friend of mine made the analogy and, uh, for, for Todd and Cheryl, my wrestling for peeps, you'll, you'll get this. Jeff Bridges is kind of like the Ric Flair of the acting world. Like, Ric Flair could have a good wrestling match with a broomstick. Jeff Bridges can have <laughs> good acting with anybody. <laughs> you guys get this, don't you? <laughs> the, the, could you picture him doing the little dance backwards, too? I could. What would be really, you know what would be really interesting is a movie with Jeff Bridges and Ric Flair. Uh, that I watch. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Disney, get your Disney, get your get your That's people right. on for, it. For the, se- for the sequel to Tron, for the second sequel to Tron, <laughs> get on that. My, well, my problem with Sam, just really quickly, was that I, I didn't – I had a real problem with his sudden maturation at the end because he didn't seem to I, – I, did, I didn't care if that happened or not. So I didn't understand why they threw it at, in at the end because there was no indication that it had to happen at the beginning. Except a little, I think maybe that's what the Alan scene was in the beginning, but Alan didn't say, hey, you know what, grow up, run the company. Right, there was, no, there, was no growth. <laughs> yeah. there was no growth in the character throughout, like, from, from, from the minute the film started until he left the grid, I didn't feel like he grew in any way. Oh, I disagree. Oh, I disagree, definitely. Oh, okay. I well, disagree. Talk, talk it up, hon. You, you've opened your mouth. Let's hear it. Well, I think he went from being... <laughs> This night, I mean, when he stepped onto the group, he was kind of naive because he trusts that that the ice chick. I don't know what else to call her. It's the ice chick. Uh, the chick in the white spandex. The chick in the white spandex. Yes. Her name's Jem. <laughs> um, so he trusts her, and then he then they, they go along. And he sees her again. He trusts her again, like like, like a complete fool, and it's just like. And then after that, it, it kind of like he grows up in the movie. Okay. And maybe he does, you know, and, and, you know, and like 
you know, he does mature because, you know, you know, they take core and, you know, who, that I think that's, that's, that's the next one is his dead child. But, but I really think that he matures in the movie because he goes from being kind of naive and trusting because he trusts that blue chick. Again. I agree that he matures in the movie. I just don't think there's a reason for it. He like, it just kind of happens. Though. I mean, half the movie is just his tantrum. Right. right. He has an argument with his dad. Daddy's not doing what he wants. And he goes, I'm going to do it anyway. And then he storms out and he destroys Which screws it. everything up. I know. It's <laughs> yeah. just like I, I didn't understand the whole reasoning there. It was just odd to me. And he just kind of jumped in the middle of nowhere. I think it's maturing him. I really think that was all, you know, his maturing that, you know, we didn't see because he was, you know, we just saw him jump from little kid to t- to twenty to 20-something-year-old. And so now we have to see his maturing actually in the movie. That's my, hmm. my opinion, I'm going for it. <laughs> hey, throw it in there. Why not? Now, so, what did you all think of Quora? Loved her. Me too. I want to be her. <laughs> <laughs> I could so see you being her for Halloween. I could see it. I love it. Dude, I'm not kidding you. I was talking to someone before and saying that Next time I go to Disney for the Halloween party, I am totally dressing up as Quora. All right, I'm so there with you. Yeah, because I, I really I haven't been in a few years now to that Halloween party, so I want to go again. Charlotte doesn't know this yet. This what? is the first time she's hearing this, folks. Lovely. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, gosh, I, I I love how they had her fight, and she was just cool and calm, yeah. and she, you know, okay. Basically, her fighting style is like right out of The Matrix, which is, let's face it, The Matrix, the story, eh, the fighting, yay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, and that's... I, actually, I, I would disagree. I think the first one had a really good story, but that's, that's, that's a whole other point. I, well... No, guys. No, 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 no. Get back into Tron. Right we can't go <laughs> Matrix? Okay, I, sorry. I, I'm not talking. I've never seen Matrix, so no idea. <laughs> Too scary. Um, but, you know, she was just – she was great. I mean and I love – you know, the, the whole scene where she's – so, you know, she's in the movie and she's been um, Flynn's, like, adoptive daughter. Okay? Right. And it's – by the way, it's been a very long time because from his perspective, I just want to let everybody know this. According to the the way that um, – there's, there's a whole article by uh, Kitsis and Horowitz, okay? And they talk about how they calculated out how long Flynn had actually been trapped in Grid 2.0. And from his perspective, it's been 28,000 years. That's a long time. Yeah, that so is. Quora is like his adoptive daughter over that time, you know, because she survived from the evolution period and stuff. So he's been there a while, and that's why he's so loopy-doopy, which we can come to in a moment. <laughs> <laughs> or it could be... What's that, Bree? Is it another word from Todd's vocabulary? <laughs> or it could just be that it's Jeff Bridges and he was smoking pot. But, <laughs> but he, it was it was just weird. See, you guys derailed me, and now I don't remember what I was saying. I'm so sorry. Long. No. That was my fault. I'm sorry. No, I, I, I think you were talking about Cora, but I thought I thought oh. Olivia Wilde, who, who who played Cora, I agree with you on her fighting style being out of the Matrix and everything, which was really nice. I also thought her acting was. If if it can be if this word can be used in this movie was subtle enough to portray the fact that she was not human. Yeah, yeah, no, no, that sounds right. 
the, that's the, not that, the, yeah, dinner, exactly. the dinner scene was fantastic. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> the face were priceless. <laughs> yeah. But I think uh, she she accurately portrayed enough, you know, naivete and lack of understanding that you got across the fact that okay, this is not a human trapped in the grid. Right. Even though that's what she looks like. Yeah, and, and even though she was not a human, like you could feel her emotions and that she had a heart. Right, which is because she was an ISO, which is a whole thing I don't under I didn't not to go off on a tangent, I didn't understand the ISO thing. I did I, I, I get it from what you said, Todd. Right. You were talking about the imperfection. It's all defined elsewhere. Right. But it, and they just kind of threw that into the story here in the movie and I felt like it it just kinda uh, it, like basically, when when Jeff Bridges Flynn says, you know, it's like it it was like digital jazz. Like that was the only part of it that I kind of remembered and got. Okay, so it's a little bit of a variation on a theme, but I didn't understand what the big deal was about the I, episode. I, I was wondering if they were supposed to be an extension of bit from the original movie. Hmm. Remember, remember, he gets he's he's driving the recognizer in the original movie, right. the one that he stole. It's with the missing leg piece, and he's driving it around, and the bit suddenly pops into existence, and it, it spontaneously exists. It didn't like come from nowhere. And I wonder if it's that that idea carried forward of the the spontaneous programming. I'm not sure. I felt like, and, and I felt like in the movie as a whole, like it was a really nice concept. Like it was a great concept, but they kind of I felt like through a whole bunch of backstory and information into this one. Well, one thing I thought, uh, we were talking about the ISOs, I felt like that's that's one of the problems as, from the movie as a whole in the story. It's like, I felt like they developed a lot of great concepts. I, I, I definitely got the feeling that the scriptwriters created this entire backstory for this world, but they didn't give us the most cohesive part of it in the movie. Like they just basically said, here's something that happened. Here's something that happened. Here's something that happened. All right, let's go. And without the explanation like that you gave Todd, and not that that really impeded my enjoyment of the movie. Right. I could still watch it and you know, like, all right, we're moving on. Let's we're, keep on trucking. Cause you kind of felt the same way Sam did. Right. He's like, Whoa, what's going on? But I felt like it could have been done. Like they could have, piece that out a little better and just given us focused it a little better and given us the most relevant information and here we go. I think they should have injured her earlier and that would have explained it better because when they when they fix her in the movie was the best way I understood it. That's I would say that's fair. I mean, yeah. the, the the I like the concept of digital DNA. You know, I, I it was it was great conceptually. I didn't understand the thing where he pulls like the piece out of it and lets it fly away. That kind of confused me and threw me off. That but that yeah. was very. That was I was very like, why is he pulling a butterfly out of the cylinder? Yeah, I, I didn't get that myself, but I, I liked the way it looked and everything. The graphics were cool. How did you feel about Bridges? Since we're Jeff Bridges in his role reprisal, but adds the older, more Zen Flynn. Yeah, yeah. Zen. Zen line that was awesome. You're messing with my Zen, man. That's great. Yeah, I did like that line. That was pretty. Funny. It's probably the best line in the whole movie, to be honest. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, okay, so how did I feel about Jeff Bridges? Are 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 either of you Jeff Bridges fans? Yes. Do you enjoy his film? Me, me. Okay. 
So he pulled a Nicolas Cage or a Tom Cruise like we talked about in Sorcerer's Apprentice and played the same guy he's played in other movies. That's the way I felt about it. Can we, can we talk specifically who he played the same guy as? <laughs> oh, yes. Go go for it, sir. So there's this uh, bowling movie <laughs> called, called The Big Lebowski. Yes. And um, he plays the dude. And this was the dude tronified. I I don't know so, any other way to to explain it. I mean, at, yeah, at, especially when he, he's a digital dude. He's a digital dude. There, you <laughs> go. and when he comes down, the when he first appears in the uh, end of the line bar, and he's the first time you see him in the trench coat, and he comes through, and he just leans down and he touches the floor. I'm like. What are they doing? I can't believe they're doing this. It, not that it didn't look cool. It's just you knew what it was supposed to be, and yeah. you know they did too. Oh, yeah, totally. Uh, well, his character reminded me a little bit of, um, do you guys remember Starman? Yes. yes. That's it. It reminded me of a little bit, only more of a human quality, of course, because obviously it, Starman it's is just... actually good that you bring that up, Bree, because the... Um, Starman was made in 88 or 89? Uh, 89, I believe. Yeah, so that's the um, the the version of Clue. The the Clue digitized image, which we can talk about in a second, is actually supposed 84. to be... 84. Really? 84. Really? Oh. Wow. So it says okay. IMDb. I believe you. We bow so, to IMDb's wisdom. Yes, yeah. it, is, it is most likely correct, and we are wrong. Yeah. But it's supposed <laughs> to be... Um, the the face that they use on the Flynn in the fur opening scene and the f- the clue character are is supposed to be a nineteen eighty eight eighty nine version of Jeff Bridges. That's what I figured. I, I wasn't putting that together though. The whole Starman thing is one. Yeah, that makes sense though. So and 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 it's it's really neat how they did that. They took um, a silicon mask of Jeff Bridges' current face, and then they. They scanned it in with one of those light pen things where they make the dots and make the 3D representation of his older face. And then they used uh, an aging program like the FBI uses, but in reverse to de-age the the image that they had up on the screen to make the younger version of Jeff Bridges. And then they imaged that onto the face of a live actor who was acting out those scenes. Okay, so that but that's a good segue into the visual effects. I I thought the visual effects in this movie were just amazing. From the moment he enters the grid and gets thrown into the games to the, the moment they leave, I thought the effects were perfect. They were spot on. You know the the digital aspects were good. The you know the physical aspects, the costuming, the the. The set design, everything. The, the visual look of this film was just really, really well done. Did, did you notice that the costumes, right? So the, ori- the original thing was when they called it the grid, it was a literal grid, right? Remember the, the right. light cycles, the recognizers, everything could only move in terms of a, a maze, which is you know left, left or right. They couldn't do anything that wasn't 90 degrees. Now, obviously, everything in this movie can move in more degrees, and – I thought that was a clever thing with the with the concept of upgrading, but I'll, you know. But what I'm getting at is that if you look really closely on the uniforms that they have them in in the Tron universe, the, those black sleek uniforms, when you get a close up on Sam, it, little hex things on his outfit were, you know, it was to me it was like an upgrade, right? Is right. you had because it was a grid and a hex, and a hex is like the next step up, especially like when you're a gamer, right? You started on on grid 
gaming with like Dungeons and Dragons, and if you move to something like Champions or GURPS, you get and I'm being really geeky now, folks, you get hexagon maps to play on and so it, to me it was an upgrade sort of thing. Dude, it's it's okay. I, I busted out the comic book knowledge. You can you can bust out the gaming knowledge. So. <laughs> and, and we are, we are both married, it's okay. It's all over. It's software geeky, right? <laughs> it, to, to me that's why the light cycles could do what they could in, in in Tron Legacy versus what they could in the original Tron is they were upgrades of the original, right? It wasn't the original right. grid, was Grid 2.0. These weren't the original recognizers. They could have been like version 5 of the recognizer and version 10 light cycles and and on and on and on. So the, the light cycles were just unbelievable. Yeah, especially, okay. ha- yeah. Especially having seen the first movie that morning. Like I said, I saw the first movie. And, and, and even then, even today, that light cycle sequence in the first film holds up if you understand what it was, right? Like Todd, like you said, it's left-right movements only. But, I mean, I remember as a kid playing that game on my computer. You know what I mean? And, and to see the next iteration of that was really, really cool. Now, now for vi- for people who aren't as old as, say, Ryan, <laughs> you can is, go play that, that game at Disney Quest. <laughs> is, you can go play it at Disney Quest, I but, but um, the um, video games back then you could only move in four directions. You were it was until much later on when they introduced like two joystick systems and stuff like that, where you could move in multiple directions and. Things like that, and Mortal Kombat, and those kind of things. They back, you know, you could move up, down, left, and right. So that's why the game, the original Tron, was like that, and that's why the movement was limited because they were they were on a game grid. That's what they called it in the movie, right? right? Hence, illegal exit from the game grid. Yes, back in my day, we had to go uphill both ways on the game grid. That's right. <laughs> All right, so Cheryl brought up the 3D earlier. What did you guys think of the 3D effects? Because I'm, I, I'm, I'll, I'll be first. I didn't get, I didn't get any pop from the 3D. See, I'm gonna have to disagree with you. I, I thought that almost every scene popped for me anyway with the with the 3D effect. My favorite, obviously, being with the light cycles. That was just incredible. So I was gonna say that I, I felt that the um, the only two scenes that I got the three two one uh, the 3D from were um, the light cycle scene, which was just the most amazing part of the movie, really. I mean, and it was so awesome that it was like, you know, almost a 10 to 12 minute segment of just them driving them around and flipping around. Ups- they were driving upside down. That was just oh, awesome. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was amazing. And, and the scene at the end when they have the, what do we call them, the wonky sluice copters? Yes, the yeah. wonky sluice flyers. That's right. When, at, at Coming the end soon there, to Tomorrowland at Walt Disney World. I was I just going to say that. You got me. I got the 3D then, too. Other than that, I really didn't think that there was much play on the 3D. I mean, the long-range shots, yeah, the, like when they take a shot of the city. By the way, something that they don't cover in the movie but comes from Tron Evolution is that the city is actually called Tron City. Yeah, interesting. So um, so when they take the uh, the long shots of Tron City from like where Jeff Bridges is living in the mountains, <laughs> it, I, I got the sense of distance – very well, not just in terms of like mentally, you know, but but it looked depthful to me. Yeah, and and of course the the Tron Castle in the very beginning <laughs> when they when they Tronify the the Cinderella's castle in the very beginning. Yeah, there. that was pretty. Wasn't cool. that awesome? <laughs> so if you haven't seen the movie at the very beginning, instead of the Cinderella castle, you get a Tron version electric castle, which was. 
pretty damn cool. What you gonna do for the 40th anniversary? <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> Everybody else in the world would hate it, but Ryan and I would love it. And yeah, I would think it would be cool. <laughs> hey, they did big birthday cake. Come on. And, and it look would how be the big birthday cake. birthday cake. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so we the birthday cake all over again. Then again, the stitched toilet papering the castle beats the big birthday cake. You, you want to know something interesting about the sets? Because you were talking about it, Ryan. Yeah. Was, um, you, you know when they're fighting, they're have, doing the disc battles, and instead of being um, in, in like a big circular dome like they were in the first one, they're in those in that cage-like thing, and they're, yeah, like, they're rotating. Yeah. You know, it's like two discs, and they rotate to match up the two people who are going to fight, and then they fight in that round, and then it rotates again. Mm -hmm. um, that Those rooms that they were fighting in were actual sets made from uh, high-impact glass so that, they, so that when they landed and hit walls, it actually looked real. Oh, wow. See, because I thought, I thought those were all CG. No, the the CG was was affected on top of it, like when they hit it or when it broke. Right. That was CG, but there was actually a glass room designed for them to run around in, almost like a racquetball course. Right. Wow. So that they could so they could be like you know hitting walls and bouncing off of them and flipping off of them and stuff like that, and it would all look and sound real. That's great. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was all just like a, a huge green screen, and they were just running around the green screen. I don't know. Yeah. I loved the IMAX version that we saw, Todd. I just have to say, I really loved it. It was yeah. Like, it's just, I, it's just most of the movie wasn't really shot for three D because there's a lot of conversation that goes on in the movie, and that stuff yeah. doesn't matter in three D or not. So yeah. Hey, so, what did you guys think? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go go for it, Bree. No, I'm just wondering what you guys thought of the character Zeus. He amused me greatly. <laughs> I got data from Star Trek. That's yeah, he did. <laughs> By the way, his his other name, which we didn't get earlier, was Castor, right? Okay. Which which is really interesting because he's playing a twin of himself, right? And Castor and Pollux are Gemini, the twins. Oh, they also Sorry. make totally didn't they get that. Okay. Yeah, they I mean, also make Jasper's dog food. Oh, Aster Pollux, nice, yes. Nice. That is, a, that is a dog food that Jasper eats. Okay. <laughs> Rush out to your stores now, kids. <laughs> I, I liked him. He was very entertaining. I didn't understand what his motivation was. Yeah, he didn't need motivation. He was funny. <laughs> that, yeah, I mean, thing. He was just one of your, your comedic characters. I mean, I love Michael Sheen anyway, so to see the side of him was, was kind of cool. Yeah, I thought. I thought. Um, I mean, we talked a little bit at the beginning about like how you, some things you just kind of accepted and moved on, and that was one of the things I just was like, okay, he's just this this kind of a character, right? I mean, he's just yeah. he's a, he's a plot device basically, you know, to get get him from point A to point B, and I. But I thought he did a great job of being amusing while doing that. Yeah, it was hysterical to see him um, like dancing and and swinging his his cane around while he was watching the the good and bad guys fight. That was pretty cool. <laughs> There's a there's a movie online that people can go watch if if they want to um, about how his cane was actually made because one of the things that this movie has that the other movies didn't is it has much more things that have those Tron light effects on them and his cane was one of them right because it has the Tron mm -hmm. thing down the center of it now the cane is actually just a piece of plexiglass that's been bent and they had to so they had to drill a whole tube through it and then run a thing through it and at the end of his cane they actually have a um, a light a battery that they power the whole thing through the whole time so that's why there's no wires attached to him it's actually a very free floating tron thing whereas 
all the other characters who are walking around with their costumes and having the lights on their costumes, which are actually on the costumes, by the way, not not drawn on like they were in the original movie, mm-hmm. is the reason why the discs are so big on their back is because that's where the battery packs for the suits are. Look at you. Okay. See, See that? All hail so, Todd. Yeah, so Todd brings uh, the knowledge. That's what that's that's what he does. But, he but does. what's neat is that that allowed them to not have. Um, wires attached to any of these people while they were walking around glowing. They could just be walking around glowing. And I love that. <laughs> and that's why that movie was so expensive to make. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. So speaking of, of Zeus and, and Caster in that scene, what did we think of, of Daft Punk and, and the soundtrack? Oh, Daft that Punk are a- in, those, in that scene. Yes, they are. Yep. Yeah. They're, they're the DJs, folks, in case you they missed are. that. Yeah. Um, I... I thought the music was really appropriate for the movie as a whole. I I don't know what anybody else thought. No, definitely. I mean, it, it brought the whole graphics uh, post-millennium technological vibe to it, if I may be wordy momentarily. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly how I felt sum- summed up. I thought it was really, really cool. I, and I don't like that kind of music. But I thought, like you guys, I thought it would fit perfectly with. Yeah, with I usually music. hate that kind of music, but for Tron, it was especially. I'd actually love to get the album just for that because I enjoyed it here. I don't know that I'd go out buy any of their other stuff, but I would buy this soundtrack. Yeah, me too. You, you know? and a lot of other people because it's in the top ten on the charts this. this week. Oh, it is. Mm-hmm. Hey, how about that? Very good. I, I was reading something too that, that that it wasn't just the soundtrack, but it was the it was part of the motivation for a lot of the movie because they would literally before they go into design reviews, before they'd um, talk about the screen or do walkthroughs of the of the um, the script or anything like that, they would play music so people were in the right frame of mind and they play the Daft Punk music, oh. just so that that was what was in their heads when they were acting and when they were designing the sets and everything like that. It was very pervasive throughout the movie as a whole. Interesting. Wow. That's great. Cool. All right, so uh, we, we're about to wrap this sucker up, but I just wanted to say, if as someone who did see the original movie and then went to see Legacy, there are tons and tons and tons of references back to the original movie, which obviously you didn't have to know, uh, but it just shows that they, they spent a lot of time building this as a, as a world, not just here's a movie and moving on. Uh, it's obvious that Disney's looking at this as a franchise. There's, there's an animated series coming next year. There's, you know, already talk of a third movie, Tron uprising. So they spent a lot of time referencing back to the original movie. So obviously Encom software was in the original movie. There's a scene in the original where Flynn sneaks into Encom through the same big orange door that Sam sneaks into and he says the exact same line like that's a big door that's a big door yeah <laughs> it's the exact line at the exact same time the exact same thing going on um, did you notice in the in the boardroom scene right before Sam pulls his prank um, they talk about Dillinger and his history with the company yes. and they point to his son sitting yeah. there that's Cillian Murphy who played the scarecrow in Batman Begins yeah I noticed that yeah mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. He, he apparently, rumor has it, would be the villain in the thir- in the third film, which would be it genius. It's it, it's genius to set up a sequel that way in such a minor way and to just leverage off of it. So I like that. Yeah, to get to get, to get it. No, go ahead, Brie. No, I was going to say to get off course for a second. He also played the villain in the Wes Craven film Red Eye, which was very very good. 
Sorry, go ahead. Thanks. Before we wrap up. One it's, is Tron. We actually never discussed Tron, and, and that Tron actually remembers his programming. Which I thought right. was brilliant. Because through the whole movie, Tron had been brainwashed, and then at the end, Tron's like, wait, I fight for the user. And goes off and then starts fighting him. Okay, so there's this there's this um, point in the original Tron movie where um, Flynn has just come into... He's just been thrown into the game grid by Sark, and he is trying to get... Uh, he he kind of sort of understands what where, what's going on. He's a little confused by it. He sees people he somewhat recognizes, and he sees this guy across the way who looks exactly like his buddy Alan, and he goes, who's that? That's Tron. That's Tron. He flights for the users. And uh, that's where that line comes from. And they play into this a little bit. Now, since we warned people ahead of time, we might as well just mention this really quick. Absolutely. There's a, there's a character in this movie that's basically the um, the bulldog for Clue, and his name is Rinsler. And Sam fights him in the light disc arena in the when Sam first comes comes in. And they're fighting, and Sam's actually picking up the game pretty well, but there, there's no question that Rinsler is just a better opponent. He's better and more experienced at it. And what happens is, is Rinsler gets to this point where he gets out of disc and he goes to basically, you know, get um, and kill Sam. He's going to do it. He's going to, you know, it, it's called derezzing in the grid universe, by the way, folks. Because you don't actually kill anyone. You just derez them back into bits and they get reused elsewhere. And um, he sees blood on his arm, which you touched on earlier. He bled. Now, there's no, there's nothing that says that you couldn't bleed as a user in the grid. It's, it, it's just never covered in the first movie. So it is interesting that it happens. But Tron recognizes that right away, meaning that he's a user. And this is Ren, but as Rensler, so he doesn't say, he doesn't react any other way than go to go user because no user has been in this grid for from their perspective thousands of years okay and um and then that's how um he's brought to clue and he doesn't know the whole story about how clue looked like his father he knows the story from his father telling him but his father never told him these key little things like hey by the way clue looks like me <laughs> right <laughs> you know things like that so he he gets introduced to clue and that whole thing progresses but Rinsler now, now Tron is a there's three colors right or four colors right orange blue yellow and um, is there green also yeah because the the original recognizers are green right the original recognizers mm-hmm. are tanks right so um, uh, Clue was a yellow Tron was a blue and Flynn was a blue okay Ram was red right right the original movie okay and um, and it it's not real clear what the colors mean folks I just yellow's the most rare is so Clue is very rare in his color scheme, and he comes through as orange in the second movie, so Clue 2.0 is orange as opposed to yellow. Um, well, he's yellowy-orange. It's not the same yellow, right? Yeah, and but, he's turned basically everybody else into kind of that orangey-yellow. Right. And um, Rinsler is one of those. Now, now, what Clue is a hacking program, okay? He has... He cannot create things, but he can turn... He can do... He can make things do other things, okay? And they call it... Re- Flynn always calls it repurposing in this movie, I think. They don't even cover it because he gets destroyed in the first movie. But he calls it repurposing. So there's a point in the movie where you, you're told that Tron has died. But what it turns out to be is that Tron has actually been repurposed into this Rinsler character. And later on, um, there, Rinsler is one of the last um, 
fighters flying around after their fighter, and he um, he has this moment where he clicks where it clicks into him that his who he really is, and he goes back after Clue instead of um, going after them, and he gets knocked into the water, and then he basically shuts down and reboots as the regular Tron underwater, which is also another sequel point, folks. <laughs> in case yes. you want to understand, so basically. Which is why, which is why, if you think about it, folks, Tron Uprising makes a sense as a movie title for the next movie. Okay, so um, and and so it, it that's what Cheryl was talking about. Is he remembers himself? Is you know, and that's um, you know, I even titled my blog post about um, Tron Legacy after that that he fights for the users because that's that's really what a lot of the whole movie is about. Is Tron agrees because to help Flynn get out because Flynn is a user. You know, and that's right. Tron is very selfless in that in that um, whole thing. So, and my other point was um, the it's a trap point <laughs> is that the beeper was actually it's a trap. The beeper was I okay. You'll have to explain that, Cheryl. It's a Star Wars reference, by the way, Brianna. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, in the beginning, we find that Alan gets a beep, and that's how he finds the. He, he, that's how they they started. I've got a page. I've got a page from from your father. And then they get into a movie, and he's like, "I didn't page you." It and, it, and you know, this was an I. This was you know, clues plan. So I thought that was that's right. And Jeff Bridges does go. Don't you see? It was a trap. So you're right. Yeah, <laughs> he, he does do that. So yeah, there you go. Star Wars reference. So Brianna, Admiral Akbar, yes. it's a trap. <laughs> there you go. Was that good, Ryan? <laughs> that was impressive. In some way, that is a record for us. I think. Including Tron. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, well, yeah, that's right. Including the original Tron. That's right. Including yeah. the original Tron. Well, yeah, but that was going to happen anyway because you can't talk about one without the other when you talk about a sequel. True. Um, I mean, the the only other interesting thing was a uh, bit. Now, remember how he looked in the original movie? He was, like, floating around, but he had a certain distinct shape to him that eventually the Rubik's Company turned into a the next version of their puzzle. Yes. Well, those puzzles, spray-painted silver and gold, are what he what um, Flynn is playing with on his mantle in his mountain hideaway. Oh, yeah. It's, oh! Well, it's it's oh. bit and bite. Yeah, bit, bit and bite. bite. And during the original movie, the, the it's this little character, so for those of you who haven't seen the original, I it's this little that. character that pops up next to Flynn, and he would change from a cube to a like a more of a spiky shape. And like Todd said, on the dresser in Flynn's house, there's a bit and bite version sitting there. I but did I mean, notice there. that. I didn't know what that was referencing. Okay. Yeah, okay. that's what Me that either. was. I didn't know that either. Well, there's all kinds of things like that, like like the the the, the little box by the sea house that uh, Sam's in. If, if you look on the outside of it, it says Dumont. Dumont was a character in the original film. He was the kind of the fourth lead, basically behind uh, Tron and Flynn and and Laura and all that kind of stuff. He was he was a guardian of some kind in the grid. He was he was a tower guardian. He was like a boss. You would think of him as a boss. You have to defeat him to get to the next level. So, hey, did anyone notice um, hidden Mickey's? No. no, let's talk about that. Go for it. No, no, no. I didn't notice any. It just came. Oh, to my okay. Head. Oh. I didn't notice any. <laughs> 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 wow, really? <laughs> well, I didn't hear. We don't have his number. Sorry. <laughs> well. 
there were other there were uh, there was something else hidden in the beginning of the movie though. Okay. About another Disney movie, um, it, when he's telling this the story when Flynn is telling the story to Sam in the beginning in 1989, there's uh, all this paraphernalia around the room besides an old Macintosh, which was interesting. Um, there's there's a a poster and a couple of figurines from the movie Black Hole, which was a movie from about ten years before that. Yes. <laughs> Time period that was made by Disney that uh, was well. Let's just say it wasn't. It didn't do too well at all, and that's being kind. And yeah, also I, being remade, just like yes. Tron and Tron Legacy. So it, it probably Definitely. wasn't going to be remade if Tron Legacy didn't do as well as it did. But now that it did, they're going to use some of that money to fund the Black Hole movie. Yes. So that's that was a, a lead in for that. Um, there's also a Blade Runner reference at the end. See, another movie we like to bring up, Rihanna. <laughs> is, another movie I have yet to see. That's right. And, and, and that one should be on the top of the list. Bree is very Harrison Ford deficient. Have you noticed yeah. that, Todd? She is. Hey, I'm a huge Indiana Jones fan. Okay. Well, yeah, that's, that's, that's like three movies. The guy's been... And Star Wars. I mean, come on now. Give me some credit, Han Solo. <laughs> All right. So... Uh, Decker, um, at the, the two main characters in really quick, uh, two main characters in Blade Runner are Decker and Rachel, and um, Decker is a hunch replicant, and Rachel is a replicant. And at the end, she, we find out she's a special replicant and can live beyond the lifespan of the other replic- replicants and live happily ever after. And that same thing basically happens with Sam and Cora, right? Is Sam is not hunting them, but he brings her out of the grid, and she's able to survive. Whereas it was really questionable as to how a creature of the grid would necessarily be able to survive and I think she was able to because she was an ISO I actually think right. had Clue gotten out Clue's plan would have failed because I don't think basics could survive outside of the grid but I think that that ISOs could because they had DNA I think that's kind of how I envisioned it so I, I kind of translated that she's a human now that's how I that's how I, I, I think she I think she was a human that came up to life in the grid that's how I viewed it myself too I don't think she was I don't think it was a now thing I think it was and always was Okay. But it's not clear because Alan never sees her. That's the other thing that I thought was weird is that we were the only ones that saw her. Cheryl makes a good point. Well, we will, <laughs> we will have to wait until the sequel to find that out. Yeah, I was going to say, I didn't spend more than two seconds thinking about any of this because I figured they would address it in the next movie. <laughs> <laughs> right, so, so speaking of this, speaking of which, to wrap this up, I do think there is tons of potential to, to for future films so like i liken this to the original spider-man movie so if you remember the the first spider-man it was a really good film in and of itself but there was a lot of exposition a lot of origin and this is how all of this came into being kind of a stuff in that movie then when you got to spider-man 2 it was pretty much all out you know an emotional story between him and doc ock and all and, uh, and mary jane and all that kind of stuff and i thought the second one was better it was very similar to me, like all these sorts of movies, X-Men, X-Men 2, same sort of thing. I feel like it's this This movie was a lot of setup packed into one film, and I thought that kind of hurt it a little bit. But there's so much potential for the future now. We mentioned Cillian Murphy being Dillinger and NCOM. Sam's taking over the company. Cora's in the real world. I mean, there's lots of ways they can go with this from here. Tron rebooted. There yeah. So I think, I think the, the movie set up a lot of stuff that they can play off of now. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I look forward to it. I'd like to see a backlot tour done of this. 
How would that I'm pointing this and I'm sort of just Give me a life cycle and I'm there. Yes. <laughs> I mean, we're always talking about delivering oh, rides and oh. what needs to be done. The studio is redo the stunt show with light cycles. I'm just saying. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> All right, so let's, let's let's bring this bad boy home. Out of five, what are we going to give Tron Legacy, Bree? I would give it a solid four. Um, even though I cannot fully explain it, I did fully enjoy it, and uh, and I did understand it. Um, I, I do think you know the acting. Yeah, it could have been a little better, but I mean, all in all, it was they were solid performances by everyone, and I have a Quora uh, bodysuit on on order from the costume shop. So, just saying, not really. Just I do too. I, I, oh wait, sorry, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> oh, no, no. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Todd, what are you going to give this one? Um, so, from a perspective of being a Tron sequel, absolutely a four. Um, in the grander scheme of movies, I would say just a three. But, I mean, for what it is and where it stands in the universe of Disney films, a four. I, I, I'm going to – that's exactly the way I feel about it. I would give it a th- – I was going to say three and a half, basically, because I feel like as a sequel to Tron, which wasn't in itself a fantastic film, it it's improves upon the original tenfold. And, but as a film as a whole, like I said, there was so much they tried to pack into it. I felt like it hurt the story. But I would be really excited to see a sequel because I think they could go a lot of places from here and, and have a lot of fun with it. Definitely. All right. So that's going to do it for this week's show on Tron Legacy. Uh, until next week, stay in touch with us on Twitter. Uh, we are all on Twitter way too much, uh, but that's okay. Visit us at DisneyFilmProject.com. That you can find me there, DisneyDrivenLife.com or touringplans.com for Todd and myself, or at Adventures of Bree at adventuresofbree.blogspot.com for Miss Bree. If you like this show, tell your friends, leave a review on iTunes, tell uh, everyone on the grid about the show, <laughs> spread the word, join us in your admiration of the wide world of Disney films, and we will see you next week. Bye-bye. Adios. Sayonara. Sayonara.